I mean, I agree to a certain extent. It, it just, and I don't know, maybe I, I'm sort of embarrassed by this, but uh, he was the actor. He was in Hannah Montana. And maybe whoa, that for me because I was whoa, part whoa, of the generation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Oh, stop, I did not stop. stop. No, let it go, TJ. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I, let me can't. Soft. I did not watch Hannah Montana. I just knew he was in it and I knew his character. <laughs> and I was part of the generation that grew up with Hannah Montana. And it threw me off. This is Movie Bite, episode 67. Movie Bite is a show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, trailers, TV shows, and more. We're recording on Friday, November 8, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and joining me today are my comrades from the International Fleet, Chad Hopkins and Mike Fizzle. Hey, guys. Hello. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hey, so it's been a while since you've been on the show, man, uh, Fizz. Yeah, I know. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy time. I've had a lot of... My own podcasting that I've had to do, and as you have pointed out very justly and rightfully so, the movie scene has kind of been pretty anemic. It's been pretty drab. In, yeah, up until about a what a couple of weeks ago when Gravity, Captain Phillips came out. Yeah, did you yep. get, uh, did you get a chance to see Gravity? Yes, I've seen Gravity. It, that's so. an awesome film. It's amazing. <laughs> I feel like I don't even like it compared to as much as you know you praised it, oh, but okay. I did I did really enjoy it. Okay, um, so all right, and 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 Captain Phillips. I have not seen Captain Phillips yet. I'm probably going to find a way to watch that outside the theater as soon as possible. Okay. So whenever it comes to video or the internet near me. (laughs) (laughs) So Chad, you and I, we missed last week's episode. We did. Yeah. And lots of stuff was going on. Yeah. Well, the thing is uh, we had figured out one night that week that we could do it. And I was feeling really bad that night. And I just, I, I texted you and said, man, I am not feeling well. And, and you're like, okay, you know, well, okay. I mean, you know, it's like, what can you do? So, so, right. uh, so it we, yeah, it's fine. I, it's, um, it's the first time I think movie bite has missed a week. I'm trying to think, I know I've missed a week here and there and Joe, when he was on, he missed a week here and there. Uh, but I think it was the first time that movie bite, it, the, the podcast had actually missed a week. If I'm remembering right, somebody in the audience can, can send me an email and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, or comment on the show online, but I, I believe that's the case. So that, that was, uh, that was interesting, but it's all right. I mean, it was bound to happen sooner or later. And so the show, the show will now go on now that I'm feeling better. Good. So I thought we would just mention, and Fizz, you're, you're, you're probably going to be kind of left out of this a little cause you haven't seen escape plan, as you mentioned before we started the show. Um, but I thought we would just at least briefly touch on escape plan, me and Chad, since we were supposed to talk about that last week. And, uh, and and I know we have a little bit of an argument about this, or certainly a di- different opinions about this film. You, right. <laughs> you, Chad, you, what did you think of this film? You, you did not have the same opinion that I had. I just did not care for it at all. I, I had low expectations going in. I thought, you know, this might be fun because, uh, you know, it's Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I just walked out and the whole time I was watching it, it was like a chore to watch. Yeah, that that was not my experience at all. I just have to say, like, my experience was um, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, it wasn't – I'm not going to put it on the, even on the same level as Ender's Game. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I rated it quite as highly. Um, I think I gave it three out of five stars in my online review. But I, I thought it was fun, and that's odd for me to say, too, because I was expecting not really to like it just because of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, right? I mean, right. what have I ever liked those guys? So, 
Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised, and maybe it's a, it's a question of expectations. Like I went in with my expectations low, and I enjoyed the film. I mean, I mean you know, I, I I never felt like it went like overboard with the uh, the nods to uh, these older actors, these action guys that usually are very cheesy. Uh, so right. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, what, it, it, it was weird, you know. Uh, whenever people imitate Arnold Schwarzenegger, they have a certain voice they use, and I think I heard him <laughs> use that voice in this. It's just like the, uh, 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 you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was really good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. That's like the stereotypical Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, and I felt like he used it a couple times in the movie. Well, it, I mean, it was just is, strange. That is his voice, you know. Uh, so, so yeah. you thought it was strange <laughs> I, because I, I know you you thought it was strange because y- you've always heard the parody, but not necessarily the actual thing. Yeah, it almost just seemed like he cartoonized his own voice a little bit. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't watch Arnold Schwarzenegger a lot, so. Do you, uh, Fizz, do you have, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, do you do you like or dislike the actor? Oh, I'm a big fan of uh, Schwarzenegger's larger body of work. Same thing with uh, Stallone. Uh, I, I mean, it makes me pseudo interested in even seeing the film. But at the same time, it's another thing that I can't justify paying, you know, the price that movie tickets are these days. It's always about the price of movie tickets with you. I'm, I'm very limited funds. <laughs> so, you know, try, and the other thing is, and I think I mentioned this on the, on the show before I rarely go to a movie that my wife does not come to see as well. And mm. uh, it's, it's not that the case here would be that she would not necessarily want to see it, but it would be the price of two tickets to see escape plan. And I, I just, I would rather save that money for the movies that will be coming out the rest of this month, sure. December, and you know that are getting pushed to the beginning of January. So, well, no doubt there are certainly better movies on the horizon. Yeah, <laughs> I will not choice. dispute that. Yeah, but I mean, but I like Schwarzenegger. I I realize that most of the movies that both these guys are in, you kind of have to go in with a certain expectation or understanding of what you're getting. And if you do that, I find that they rarely disappoint, though sometimes you can tell that they're just there for a paycheck, especially probably Arnold now. He, I think he's got a he's got some financial troubles. So yeah, interesting. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, I don't know much about his financial troubles. I haven't heard that before. So uh, kind of interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, a, you know, check out my review linked up in the show notes so you can get the correct side of this argument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Did, did you write anything about it, Chad, anywhere? Uh, I posted initial thoughts on Facebook and Twitter, but I haven't written a review. Okay. Well, I did. So I win. (laughs) Your (laughs) argument is invalid. Uh, that'll be, that'll be in the show notes, which by the way, for this episode will be at moviebyte.com slash MB podcast slash 67. Hey, speaking of uh, podcasts, uh, I launched a new little podcast today. It's something a little bit new for moviebyte too. Uh, it's a video podcast. And uh, launched that earlier today and went out at, uh, I believe I scheduled it for three and it went out at three. I call it Bite Size. Did you guys get a chance to watch that? I did. I did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there were flaws with it and I'm not happy with the, uh, the the glare in my glasses, but I did not have time to redo it and try to cover the screen and, and stuff. So, uh, And, and I'm, I'm doing it with my EyeSight camera on my MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have anything else. I mean, I know it's crazy. I was a film editor, not not a videographer, not necessarily a, a cinematographer. So well, the excuses have already started. Yes, no excuses <laughs> all around. I mean, it's every excuse I can throw at it, I will. But well, if you're going to air, air boldly, TJ. 
Here boldly. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I think that the idea, though, is to make it a little more visually engaging. I mean, I think there's an audience that I'm not reaching because audio. Who cares about listening to podcasts? But if you can, if you can, and I, I mean, I posted it to the Movie Byte YouTube account, which is new. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, check it out. It's moviebyte.com slash bite-sized. You can watch it there. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want to get it in your podcatcher or on iTunes. Uh, and, of course, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, too, if you want to just get them on YouTube. So uh, we'll see how that works out going forward. But uh, I don't know. what You guys got any uh, – I'm asking you on the air live. I, I have no idea what you're going to say. What did you guys think? Chad? It's cool. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it, it's cool to sort of visually engage with you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that um, you have to – understand your audience and you have to be able to get yourself out there in as many, many mediums as possible. Right. And I think that's a great idea. And I can also say confidently that you are a braver man than I, because <laughs> I like I've got like neck beard. I, I realize how I come <laughs> off to the internet. So I would probably not put that many videos of myself in an authoritative way, but you, you've blazed the trail yeah, you, know, you said to you know to hell with it. I'm going to do it. So yeah, and 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 the thing is, like uh, a couple of years ago, I would have been scared even to do a podcast. Like I I I wanted to do a podcast, but just hearing myself talk, and I've gotten used to it now. I mean, you get used to it, but even the first podcast I did with Joe, like just hearing my own voice is like ew, gross. You know? <laughs> and oh yeah, you kind of get used to that. And I just you know I, I've been hesitant on the video thing. And partly because I have, was in professional uh, filmmaking and I don't have the, a way to do it as professionally as I would like. I would love to have a studio, right? But but then, you know, if you have a studio, then people see more of your uh, figure. And I am on the track down to losing weight, but I'm not – I haven't lost the weight I want to lose. So <laughs> so maybe it's better that it's just a headshot from my computer. Maybe. But. <laughs> no, one, of, one of the most admirable things about any person that I ever meet – is when they understand what they enjoy doing and they go after it full force. And of all the, in all the ways that we have ever disagreed about anything, TJ, which like, is all the time, which is often, <laughs> but, but see, that's the thing. I think that's what makes it great because at the heart of it, I realize that you're doing something that you love, which is why it was killing you last night or not last night, but last week to not have movie bite, you know, yeah, something no, absolutely. That you, so I, I think it's great. You know, you're going to get better at it every week and hopefully it turns into what you want it to. And then the audience that you're hoping kind of reach out, uh, responds in that same way. Yeah. And uh, I've submitted the podcast feed to iTunes, but you can actually still subscribe. For those who don't know, podca- the iTunes podcast uh, is just a directory, and you can actually subscribe on the website at moviebyte.com slash bite-sized if you want to get it like a podcast. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So check that all out. And once it goes live in iTunes, I'll be asking you all for ratings. Uh, so yeah. with that, we have <laughs> uh, one more item on our show outline here before we talk about Ender's Game. And I thought it would be fun. You mentioned this before the show, Fizz, and I thought it would be fun just to talk about the movies we're looking forward to. Uh, and uh, one of those films we'll all be talking about, all three of us, plus one more. We'll have Joe on the show next week to talk about Thor The Dark World. I don't know about you guys. I'm really looking forward to that one. I've already seen it, so... You have? I went to the midnight showing. Oh, Chad man, I showing wish I, off. I wish I could have. I wanted to. It was great. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Well, don't spoil it for me. Yeah, don't spoil... Oh, I will. <laughs> don't spoil your review either. I mean, we've got to wait till next week so we can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will uh, stay mute about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Hope, uh, my plan was to see it tomorrow. I'm very, uh-huh. you know, very excited. I typically do matinees on Saturday, um, but it looks like we're going to be busy setting up for some activities that we've got going on in life. And so I think I've convinced my wife to stay up very late. I said, once I get done with the movie bite podcast, we're going to go watch Thor. And she was very on board yeah. with that. So I'm pretty sure we're going to go watch it as soon as we get done here. So everyone likes Cinder's game, right? Everyone good, good, good. Ready to go. <laughs> yes. We give it some amount of stars. We're all happy. Let's go. Yeah. And so you, you usually want to get out of here and see Thor. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to release you like that though, man. I'm not, I'm not going to let you do that. Sorry. But what else? What else is there, TJ? What are you? <laughs> okay. But besides Thor, because Thor is obvious. I think you took the easy road. Yeah. No. That, I mean, that was just the first thing, and we're going to be talking about it next week, so it was obvious. But I mean, who's not? I mean, it's a Marvel film. I mean, there's only been one Marvel film thus far that I haven't been that, that I didn't like that much, and even that is watchable, and that was Iron Man two. Uh, so I'm, I, you know, and I I don't believe this whole critical nonsense. Have you guys been following any of this critical nonsense against Thor? Like, I think that the expectation and the hype around Marvel movies has been built up so high that it can't attain anymore. Uh, you know, I hadn't even looked at the critic rating yet. I'm heading over to Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and I don't know if it's uh, on Rotten. I've just seen here and there bits and pieces of people going, "Oh, you didn't live up," and it's just, you know, I'm like, "Come on, really?" Well, I haven't really seen anybody kind of talking down about it, but I completely agree with what you're saying. I think the bar for Marvel films is so high right now. I think that was my problem with Iron Man three. I enjoyed Iron Man three, but I felt like I was supposed to like super enjoy Iron Man three. And since it wasn't off the charts for me personally, I was like, man, they're really going downhill. And yeah. then I had, to, you know, I had to kind of reel myself back in and be like, "Look, look, it was a perfectly fine film." Yeah, even you know? though it probably had the most plot holes of any Marvel film, but it was still yeah. enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think I think people in general, like of all the Avengers, I think Thor is one of the hardest ones for the average moviegoer, the non comic book reader, to relate to in general. Yeah. So, yeah. I, th- I mean, so it's just so out there. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, but I enjoy it. You know. Yeah. So you still found a way to dodge the question, TJ? Which was. What else are you looking forward to besides the obvious? Okay, I was about to throw that out at you, but I'd forgotten you had you'd asked me. Okay, the one that I'm really looking forward to, even more than Thor, and I hope I'm not disappointed, is The Book Thief. Oh, man, that looks so good. It looks excellent. I, it, I, it comes out next week, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And uh, uh, I have here November 15th on the Trello card is when it comes out. So mm. um, I'm looking, I'm pulling up my calendar right now. But that's what I have it as well. I have it. I have plan. I have plans yeah. to see it next yeah. week. So. Yeah, that's next week. Yeah, and we're going to be yeah. talking about it. Uh, we haven't put it on the. We've got it in the cards, but not scheduled. But it, it'll be after the, the week after we do Thor. So cool. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking about that, and that'll be fun. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you, you know, obviously Jeffrey Rush, uh, Emily Watson, but man, that girl that plays uh, uh, Liesel, she looks amazing. She does. Yeah, She's I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. Even just from trailers. Right. That's what I'm talking about. From the trailers. I mean, just it looks like she really nails that part, you know, and I feel like if they basically run the trailer over and over for an hour and a half, it's going to win an Oscar. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, So I don't know. What what else are you guys looking forward to? Well, I've already got my ticket for the Hunger Games. Yes. Yes. That's going to be good. I hope it's good. I hope hope so, too. Please, please let it be good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want it to be good. I want it to be at least as good as the first one. And I, I hope it's better. Just there are certain things about the first one that I didn't like that I hope this one correct course corrects. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I, I'm hearing silence from Fizz. He probably does not well, like no, the I, game I, series. Anytime we have three people who can't see each other, I, I almost always want to defer to Chad. 
Okay. I want I want Chad to go because I know I'm a very assertive personality <laughs> and I will I will talk all over everybody. So I wanted to really I just really wanted to hear what Chad had to say. So um well, but you. you're you're quite welcome. I, I, I'm not an assertive <laughs> person at all. Well, okay, so 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 movies that are coming up. I, I mean, I'm going to go see Catching Fire because um, eventually I'm going to podcast on it. But it's not something that I'm super excited about. I yeah. just I'm, I'm excited because people are excited. But what I really want to see, and I'm really really hoping I get a chance to go see it because it just came to like a you know an independent arty theater near here is Twelve Years a Slave. Mm, yeah, that finally um, just came to Nashville. I, I don't know when I'm going to get to see it though because everything yeah. I have on the schedule, but I want to see it. Exactly. So, I mean, I want to see the book thief next week, but if it becomes down to book thief or 12 years a slave, I'm probably going to go see 12 years a slave. See, uh, yeah, that's where I differ. I, I would, I think I'd rather see the book thief, but go ahead. No, and I understand that. Cause it's not that I want to skip it, but I mean, it would just have to be there. There's a very small difference in the pecking order, but outside right. of that, I mean, I mean, December is going to, I want to see the next Hobbit movie. I just love being <sighs> immersed in that world. I understand that you have some disappointments from the first one, but I love being immersed in that world. And kind of all along the themes of 12 years a slave, the book thief, some of these more dramatic, not uh super Marvel heroes blowing each other up as I really, really want to see Mandela mm. long walk to freedom mm-hmm. because I'm just a big, I just Elba fan. So, and, it, and every, every preview that I've seen has made it look like it's met my expectations and more. So, yeah, I have that coming out on November 29th. Is that correct? Uh, yes. that's when I have it coming out. If it actually comes out wide, I'm not sure if it's a wide release though. Yeah. That's the thing. It seems like there's been a lot of, uh, of uh, limited releases this year. Well, it's all posturing for yeah. the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. what is it? There's, I think, twelve years a slave actually still doesn't technically have a release date. It's the UK release date is not till January, so it can technically full worldwide release and get the most publicity in January, right before Oscar Oscar selections. I mean, because that's what films have to do if they want to make any money. If they're not like Thor, I mean, or Wolverine, (laughs) right, right, right. I mean, so. that's part of the game that they have to play. And unfortunately we take the brunt of that having to try to figure out which theater, where, when, what time and how I'm going to fit it into a week where I have life and, you know, podcasts and stuff. So, well, I'm, I'm going to avoid the Hobbit just because that's a rabbit trail. I don't want to go down and I know that I will spend an hour talking about that and then we won't be able to talk about Ender's game, but I did want to ask you one one more. Uh, what do you guys think of saving Mr. Banks? I have that coming out on December 13th. I've only seen the one trailer so far, and it looked pretty good. I'm excited for it. Um, I think Tom Hanks will do a great job as always, and uh, yeah, the the story sounds fun. I mean, I, I like sort of this uh, nonfiction autobiographical, well, not auto, uh, the biographical sort of film, and I hope they do a good job with it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I don't think there's ever been a Tom Hanks movie that I wasn't interested in seeing, and. I would say probably about 80 to 90% of the things he's ever done, I have really enjoyed. So that and the fact that the trailer already made me tear up without even really getting to the meat of some of this. I'm like, right. I'm so excited about this movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. And, and I, I agree, Chad, that the uh, I do like to see a few more actual bio, biographical films coming out. And, we, and, and Tom Hanks was already in one earlier this year that was really good. So uh, yes. it, it's going to be good to see him in Saving Mr. Banks, too. Uh, you know, of course, Emma Thompson uh, is also in the film. I, I, I can't remember. Are there any other big names? I think it's just those two that are the big names. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it looks really good. And I, it's weird, though, because, like, I don't have much love for Mary Poppins. I, I really don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but I, I, I don't know. Can, did we discuss this on the show before? I, I'm having deja vu here. Um, I, 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 th- 
you you said that one time when we were on the show together, and okay. I I echoed your sentiment. I'm not a big Mary Poppins fan, but that does not negate how much I want to hear or watch this story be told. Right. I mean, it is a beloved film, and I wonder how much of my dislike for Mary Poppins is colored by the fact that I saw it probably no less than 15,000 times when I was, you know, a kid. (laughs) So, I mean, I could probably recount every single story beat to this day. Just To be fair, I don't think the author was that fond of the film either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we're about to find out if if, if this biography is uh, is truthful and true to the story. All right. Do you guys want to throw out anything else or shall we move on to Ender's Game? Uh, I'm ready to move on. It's up to y'all. I mean, I could, I could talk about movies that I want to see all day, so we should probably Same here. skip ahead. Okay. Ender's Game. <laughs> uh, all right. So this film came to theaters on November 1st. It had a budget, uh, somewhat bloated, I might say of 110 million, uh, opening weekend. It brought in 27 million, but it's up to 42.8 million worldwide. According to Rotten Tomatoes, if it isn't quite as thought-provoking as the book, Ender's Game still manages to offer a commendable number of well-acted, solidly written sci-fi thrills. Uh, directed by uh, Gavin Hood of X-Men Origins Wolverine, for which we'll forgive him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I didn't find it as bad as most people did, but I still think it was lacking. I, I actually knew Gavin Hood, though, from Stargate SG-1. Have either of you watched that TV show? I, I, actually, Chad, I know you haven't. Go away. Fizz, what about you? <laughs> it's it's. You mean the movie or the, the – you said the TV show? Uh, the TV show, Stargate SG-1. Yeah, the, the TV show is on my exceptionally long list of things that one day I will watch when I'm independently wealthy and have nothing to do but watch TV all day. Okay, I highly recommend that you move it way up higher on the list. It is one of my favorite all-time TV shows. I mean just and, – and even – you know, I'm not saying that the first couple of seasons are bad by any means. I enjoy the first couple of seasons. Uh, we're not talking about Star Trek The Next Generation level of first couple of seasons bad. Uh, but but it's not as good as the rest of the series. I mean, the series really ramps up. And Anyway, it's all beside the point. Uh, Gavin Hood played a part in X in, in uh, Stargate SG-1 in Season 8, Episode 3. Uh, and so, I'm, I mean, I'm watching these interviews with Gavin Hood going, man, he looks – holy cow, he looks really familiar. I'm like, he, it is him. That's really weird. So, anyway – uh, <laughs> the film was also written by uh, Gavin uh, Hood, who I have spelled as Gaving here in the outline. I can't have that. Uh, based, of course, on the book by Orson Scott Card. Chad, you want to tell us a little bit about the story of this film? Okay. In the near future, a hostile alien race has attacked Earth. If not for the legendary heroics of International Fleet Commander Mazer Rackham, all would have been lost. In preparation for the next attack, the highly esteemed Colonel Hiram Graff and the international military are training only the best young minds to find the future Mazer. Ender Wigan, a shy but strategically brilliant young leader, is recruited to join the elite. Arriving at battle school, Ender quickly and easily masters increasingly difficult challenges and simulations, distinguishing himself and winning respect amongst his peers. Ender is soon ordained by Graff as the military's next great hope, resulting in his promotion to command school. Once there, he's trained by Mazer Rackham himself to lead his fellow soldiers into an epic battle that will determine the future of Earth and save the human race. All right, and just a little bit more, and then we'll dive into our thoughts here. Uh, Starring Asa Butterfield, Harrison Ford, Haley Steinfeld, Abigail Breslin, Ben Kingsley, Viola Davis. Uh, So, you know, kind of a... uh, of course, Harrison Ford, big all-star cast member there. And, you know, Viola Davis, I believe she's won some awards. Ben Kingsley, you know. And then Haley Steinfeld is, uh, you know, hailed for her performance in True Grit, I believe. 
Uh, yes. What has Asa Butterfield been in? I, I don't know that I've ever seen him before. He was in Hugo. Oh, Hugo. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that. So Me neither. What about you, Fizz? That's the one I think I had an argument with Ben on the Movie Bite uh, website about. Okay. It's I saw half of it and then got completely bored and <laughs> stopped watching it, which is really hard to do. So I'm sorry, Ben. I because he <laughs> because he's so highly recommended that I finish it. At some point, I'm going to go back and finish it. But for now, I saw about half of it. It was beautiful, and he did a great job in a very boring film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's um, the way I have the outline segmented here, which I kind of like, is general thoughts, likes, and dislikes. So, some general thoughts. Um, and, and you know, obviously, uh, I think the big thing for me is that they mostly like cut out Peter and Valentine. I mean, I, I, I assume you, both of you are familiar with the book. Yes. Yes, I, I read the book, but I read it like ten years ago, and okay. I purposely did not reread it before the movie. Okay. Well, I mean, interestingly for me, I'd never heard of the book before the trailer for this came out or before we started hearing about it, uh, which is odd. Like, then I started digging up all the stuff. It's like, oh, it's a well-beloved classic. How come I've never heard of this sort of thing? So then I, I went and read it. Uh, so it's been pretty recent. Uh, so that, that may be coloring some of my perception of this film. But, uh, you know, the, I mean, they cut out Peter and Valentine except for a couple of key scenes, uh, although I'll argue later that the, the Peter scene should have been cut too. Um, but... Um, at the same time, you kind of understand why they did it, because what they were doing in the sci-fi book from the 80s was essentially what we now call blogging. Uh, yeah. And that's how they were uh, taking over the world. That, that that would have been a little weird in a 2013 film. So yeah, I agree. I, I understand why they cut it out. It's just a little weird. It's just a little strange. And sort of a, a point that you, I think you're also going to make later, uh, the adjustment of Ender's age to a little bit older than he initially was in the book. Um, it's just something that's difficult to believe 16 year olds, uh, capable of accomplishing taking over the world via the internet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little weird. Uh, Fizz, you have any general thoughts for us before we dive into our likes and dislikes? Um, well, I mean, in general, I, I didn't, I was a little worried. Let me say it that way. Yeah. I was a little worried when the movie was like officially announced, because, I mean, Orson Scott Card even has an interview where he says, like, the movie can't really ever be made because most yeah. of the movie takes place like an Ender's Mine. Yeah, and I can you know, totally it, see his point of view on that, too. Yeah, and so I'm I'm wondering, after reading the book and enjoying it so much, how could it even be brought to the screen? And I ended up liking it, but like most book adaptations, there are things that I really wanted to see that I didn't get to see. So, you know, it was like great because it didn't ruin it. It wasn't like a bad interpretation, right? but at the same time it wasn't complete. So, you know, there, there was, there was, there was something on both ends of my expectations. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. It feels like we're kind of all on the same page on this from some of the, I've talked to Chad a little bit before the podcast and here talking to you. It kind of feels like we're on the same page about that. So uh, we'll dive into that here in a minute. Um, but in general, I would say that the film kind of pointed in the gen- – like like comparing the film to the book, it kind of pointed in the general direction of some of the big ideas in the book, but never really quite got there. Uh, you know, that that's kind of my general feeling on, on the on the film in general. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I found odd – I don't know if any of you have seen this. I was actually listening to the Slash film cast, and they compared it to Elysium. And I'm trying to figure out, like, how, how, why? How does this film – how is it supposed to compare to Elysium? I don't know. And I've heard that. I heard that from somewhere else too. Like, 
you know, and if you're going to compare it, I enjoyed Ender's Game a lot more than Elysium, but they don't even feel like they're in the same genre to me. It, well, it I mean, I feel strange. like... No, go ahead, Chad. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, it does seem strange, but, um, I, you know, I never actually saw Elysium because I, I wasn't on that episode of the podcast. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm trying to make the connection in my head just based on the basic premise, but I can't find it. Yeah. Well, what I'm what I'm thinking, and yeah, I don't know if this is exactly what they're thinking, but I wouldn't have pointed it out or thought of it on my own. But now that it's mentioned, I can see how one of my complaints with Elysium was the fact that I thought it was a whole bunch of ideas that kind of got jumped to real quick and you didn't get the, how are we getting there? And I felt like that was very similar with what I saw in Ender's game. It was like, we're here. No, we're here. No, we're moving. No, we're moving. No, we've got to get to the end. We got to get to the end. And it's just very rushed. And I think in, in your written review, you even talked about like the pacing just kind of felt odd. And so I feel like that was one of my problems with Elysium that, yeah, I, 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 they didn't really get me where I, they were trying to take me lots of times. So I just had to accept it when I got there. If you know, that I mean, now sense. that you mentioned that, I think that's a really astute observation. And, and, and maybe we can go ahead and talk about our dislikes of the film and then we can end on a positive note. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think the film really did feel terribly rushed. And you're right. So did Elysium. Like, and it's the same sort of thing. I, I can see that now that you say that, although that wasn't the comparison they made on the slash film cast. But anyway, th- it's a it's a good point nonetheless that it really they're they're trying to get you to a certain place and it really doesn't quite get you there like like one of my really big complaints with this film is that it tries to say it's trying to say that basically the bulk of the story takes place within 30 days and you're like what really seriously i mean because they they throw that up on the on the screen of, of colonel graf i don't know if you caught that like there's 26 you know 26 days left or whatever and, and i'm sitting here going wait this the book takes place over the course of like four years or three, three or four years i can't remember exactly and that makes more sense, even though I have a little more trouble with the age in the book of, of, of Ender being six when he goes to battle school. And it makes more sense to him to be more like 14 or 15 like he is in the movie here. Um, at the same time, like it makes more sense that it took three years to really kind of get Ender to the place that he needed to be and to see what kind of stuff he was made of. 30 days, there wasn't enough time for anything to happen. Like 30 days goes by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, it, you know, I understand the reasoning for compressing a little bit because they, they want to keep the same actor for Ender. And obviously if, uh, he aged from age six to 12 or however old he is at the end of the book, um, it, it wouldn't have worked with the same actor as well. And, but you've got a good point. It doesn't need to be 30 days. It's a lot that's way too short it considering the obstacles that he has to overcome and the achievements he has to accomplish and all this training and everything 30 days is very unreasonable even for somebody as talented as ender right yeah i, I want to say that like i'm a i'm agreeing with like the in in game but i don't necessarily agree with some of the the reasons for it and what i mean by that is i actually don't really have a problem with six-year-old ender being exceptionally smart mm. I think that we live in a culture that says like people who are six year old, six years old don't know anything and can't do anything because we stick like iPads in front of them and tell them to (laughs) not just entertain themselves. Right, right, right. But I think if we, you know, if, if we believe that there is a world where there are children that are being like genetically selected and trained from the time that they are, you know, 
able to understand any kind of communication and, and that culture kind of facilitates that, then it's, it's a bit of a stretch to see a six-year-old thinking like Ender, but six-year-old Ender did think sep- or much differently than 12-year-old Ender did. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. And so that, that's part of the thing. At the same time, I do agree with the fact that for this movie, I had no problem with him being 12, though I wish it would have, much like you guys are saying, been like a year, you know? Yeah. Make it a year, make it a year and a half because – but that leads to another gripe that I'll go to whether you let me do whether you let me or not TJ because no, go ahead go ahead. <laughs> the, the, one of the problems I had was that I didn't understand why people wanted to follow Ender exactly because it, there there was no development of that 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 natural leadership that he you know put forth right the compressed timeline really took away from the aspect of the book. Where you, you see him, where, where, where you see why people would want to follow him. And all they really had to do was put in at least one more full battle scene of Ender leading the troops and, mm-hmm. and do a, a few, uh, time lapse kind of things where you, you, you kind of see snippets of things happening and you can see that time's passing. You do the cross dissolves. I mean, you know the technique. All, that's all they had to do was put that in there so that you can see time is passing. And and that you you understand what's going on. Like like I just didn't understand why they felt the need to make this all happen in such a compressed timeline. I don't get what it. Need, what we need here, TJ, is a montage. Sure. <laughs> I, know, I mean I know and, and I, I suppose that there's some you know, some part of, of Gavin Hood that was saying, Well, a montage is so overdone, but montages, the reason they're used is they have their place and they serve a purpose, and it would have served a great purpose here. It I would have worked really well during the battle scenes. Yes, precisely. Yeah. You know, and, and and then they could have still had the big, you know, culminating climax battle scene, you know, where he tosses uh, uh, a lot. Was it a lie or bean? I don't remember around the, around the star. Yeah. You know, so they still could have had that and it would have been fine. And, and, and you will rarely you will rarely hear me argue for a, a film to be longer, although I don't know how much longer the film would have needed to be if they would also cut out some of the stuff I would feel like there was <laughs> didn't need. But I, I could see this film being a little longer and feeling not quite as rushed. You will rarely hear me argue that point, but that's that's kind of how I feel about the film. Yeah, um, I, I did think it was too short. Uh, I, I didn't need it to be a whole lot longer, but I think that it was important that we spend a little bit more time with Ender in battle school yeah. and sort of spend a little bit more time with him discovering his military genius. And I, I mean, we didn't really get that. We see a battle and a half in battle school, and then we see the final battle in... Uh, the, the command school and that's pretty much the extent of the military genius that we see of him and that's all that Ender is uh, essentially to us yeah right Fizz? No, no I completely agree I, I wanted to see one of my favorite parts of the books even though I could not remember every single detail was that gradual overcoming of every obstacle that mm. was put in his path mm-hmm. something that really actually kind of annoyed me was the fact that when he gets to battle school Graf even says like, we have to keep him separated. We have to keep him isolated. We, you know, we basically have to make sure he's always alone. Mm-hmm. And then they never, the movie actually never makes him alone. I know. Right. right. <laughs> you know, in the book, he's actually, you know, taking away, taken away from his troops. You know, he's having to give them commands from like other rooms and stuff like that. Like he doesn't even see these people lots of the time. 
Whereas, yeah. you know, in the movie, he's like, oh, well, you got to go to the back of the bunk. Look how isolated you are. And I'm like, that's not, you know, that's not the same thing. No, not at all. I, and I completely agree. Did they even, did, did Graf say in the movie that he they should isolate him? I'm trying to remember. Or yeah, it was, yeah, it was as, soon as, as soon as he got there. He was talking to Viola Davis. Uh, I can't remember what her character Anderson, was. Major Anderson. Yeah, yeah, it, it's weird, right? I mean, because I certainly I couldn't remember if that was like from the book, if I was remembering from the book, or whether that happened in the movie too. But th- that just makes it all the more weird because that was like Ender was supposed to be isolated uh, purposefully, and he never was in the film. It's very odd. Yeah, and and I think all of this uh, kind of leads up to another complaint that I had. It's really one and the same, which is the scene with Valentine that's so uh, kind of poignant in the book is meaningless in the film because he's saying to Valentine. The, the key problem here is once I get to understand my enemy in a way that I can defeat them, then I love them. And, and like, that falls so flat in the movie because they have not earned that at all. Right. It's just annoying. Well, I mean, but it leads to, I think, something that I think we're differing on, actually. You, you're kind of talking, or you mentioned earlier that you would be fine with uh, Peter and Valentine completely, they, basically their stuff either being cut back or completely cut out. And well, I think one of the things that I would have been okay with a two hour movie is if I would have seen, like we're supposed to understand who Ender is, what, like why he is better than everybody else, because he is the, the perfect mix of Peter and Valentine. And I don't think they showed us enough, but I think if we cut it out, we lose a, a big part of who Ender is. Yeah, I agree. And I would say that they could have made the film longer and incorporated it better. But as it stands, Peter should have been cut. Like, he did not do anything for the film, really. I mean, and I think that I would have been very confused. And I've talked to people who were, like, very confused that hadn't really, weren't really familiar with the book. They're like, well, I didn't understand the Peter thing. And, and like, he saw him in the thing, in the game that he was playing, but why? And, and, and it right. makes sense in the book, but because it's so glossed over in the movie... And and the scene with with Peter is frankly so poorly done that it's just like, what was the point? Why have him in the film if you're not going to do it right? Cut him. Just just cut the character. And I feel the same way about Bean. Like, why was Bean in this film? He didn't do anything. And he was he was great in the book. But if you can't incorporate the the character properly, just cut him. (laughs) This is my feeling on the matter. Chad, Chad, did you read? uh, Have you read the book? Yes, I actually finished reading it about less than a week before I saw the film. Like, do you think do you think you would have understood that whole concept if you hadn't read the book? I doubt it. Um, and I, I understand where you're coming from, TJ, about, you know, the way they did it did not work. So it would have been better if they had cut it. Really, I would have the extra 20 minutes that the film could have used. I wish they had dedicated that to Peter and Valentine. No, no, I um, agree. Just, just to be clear, I completely agree right, with that. Right, right. And uh, because... A huge part of Ender's character uh, in the book is his relationship with Valentine and Peter, his relationships with his uh, siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I could, I, I'm not upset that they cut out the Peter Valentine uh, side story that was in the book, but if they had just taken that extra time to develop their relationship um, and just really establish how important Valentine is to Ender and then how stressful and key to Ender's development, Peter's, his relationship with Peter was, um, that, that would have saved the film. I mean, it's, I enjoy the film, but that, that is something that was missing. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you guys got? I've been ta- tossing out my ideas. I have a little bit more, but I want to hear what you guys didn't like about the film. If you have anything else. 
Um, I don't think I really have any more huge complaints. That's pretty much the bulk of my dislikes. Okay, Fizz? Well, I guess the only other thing kind of ties into things that we're hitting all around, and that's this movie is PG-13. Right. And I think if they would have made the movie that was honestly is like psychologically and physically brutal as the things that are alluded to in the book, mm-hmm. then this would have been a rated R movie. Yeah. That's that catch or 22 very, or, or very close. And, 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 you know, almost every complaint I have about this movie is the development of Ender. Um, because almost everything that we, we read in the book or technically we're supposed to be seeing in the movie is supposed to show us who Ender is, is where he's going and how he gets to where he is. And I don't believe because the things that were psychologically challenging for him, the, the physical um, limitations that he had that he had to overcome, I never really saw them as true obstacles because they were never real threats. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not trying to argue for like child brutality or anything, you know, but like that part of that, you know, he was never isolated. So we never see him tormented really. Right. Uh, he just breaks down with a, in a conversation with Valentine that you've already pointed out wasn't really earned. Yep. So, you know, I, I wanted there to be some real intense. I wanted to be able to see the pain. And I think, I think, um, what is it? Asa? 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 Butterfield? I call Asa. 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 I feel like he was, he had the ability to bring that to the character and we missed out because of that. Oh yeah. But that, that goes back to the whole, you know, it could have been two hours and I would have been perfectly happy, but yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you're kind of echoing in, in a different way. Some of the same things that I'm feeling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Asa Butterfield, as we'll, as we'll mention in the, when we really to start talking about how much we like this film, Asa Butterfield really knocked this thing out of the park. I mean, he was great, but, but the script failed to utilize his ability to act as Ender appropriately. I mean, it, it really failed, I think in that, in showing, I, I mean, the reason, the reason that we like Asa as Ender has nothing to do with the script. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, going back to what Fizz was just talking about, uh, if the problem with the film, I think, is that they consider this book to be young adults. So, so many people consider this uh, book targeted at young adults, and it's not. I don't think it was ever intended as a young adult book, but because the characters are children, um, that's just the way it was perceived by people. And Right. Uh, that's the issue is they felt the need to make a PG 13 film because the characters were children. Well, and that's mm-hmm. that catch 22 thing. I mean, for the, from the studio's perspective, I mean, think about this from the studio's perspective, you make an R rated film, you were going to make less money in general. That's just the way it is because less people, and, and it does have an appeal to children and to kids and to teenagers who are going to come see this film who otherwise wouldn't, if it was rated R. So you can understand why they made the decision to go PG 13. I do agree that it would have made a better film as an R-rated film. I mean, because some of the things that Ender went through in the book were pretty R-rated. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that it would have made a better film. But you, you certainly, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to say and fault them for the PG-13 aspect, just yeah. because it would not have made. I mean, it's already struggling just a little, and it would not have made any money. I think if it was R-rated. So, I mean, right. maybe I'm misjudging that, but I, I don't think so. Um, all right. Well, one more disappointment that I had was uh, the the um, uh, I have written here battle school. I think I meant command school. Let me make sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bat- command school is what I meant to say here. 
Um, you know, in the book, Ender is just by the by the end of command school, he is at the end of his rope. He's ready to throw in the towel and be done with 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 the command school and with life and with the the teachers and with everything. He's just so and you don't get that in the movie. Like you don't feel that. Like he was so exhausted mentally and physically and mostly mentally, and that's not in the film at all. No, he he he's he gets sick, like terribly sick in the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which goes back to, like I said, one of my problems is like, I don't ever feel like he's, you know, like I said, I'm not for, you know, child brutality or anything, but I never saw Ender suffer in this movie. Right. Exactly. I I do have another dislike, but it's a spoiler. So we're going to save it for later. Uh, Okay. I actually found uh, uh, another dislike or two in my notes just real quick. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I thought that Moises Arias as Bonzo was not the best choice. Really? Um, I think he he played the character well, but his size it it just didn't work. Okay, I have I have more to say about that, but that's one of my likes. Is I thought that I I don't care about the size. That's fine. Although I did think it a little strange, but I got over it quickly because he was so perfect as Bonzo. Really, I don't yeah. know. It it just seemed strange to me. But uh, I think I was more disappointed. I thought that Haley Steinfeld did a good job, but I didn't think that she was a good fit for Petra. Really, uh, the, when when I read the book, I I pictured Petra as uh, a not more masculine, but tougher, um, hmm. more, more no nonsense. And the the way they sort of played the relationship between Petra and Ender just seemed weird. Well, you knew they were going to do that though. Like that's just one thing a movie cannot, they, they can't not have some sort of just, I mean, and it wasn't much, but just hints at the romantic aspect. I mean, they can't not do that. They can't not go there. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I thought that, uh, if Fizz, help me out here, if you agree, I thought that, uh, that uh, Bonzo was perfect as far as his character and and how he acted and reacted and and behaved toward Ender. So what should I do if I don't agree? Uh, Skewer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just figuring. No, uh, Bonzo was really odd. Like his height was a little disturbing to the point where I was like, I don't like this. It makes me uncomfortable because it seems like it's some kind of weird, like what are they trying to do here? But I thought he actually did play the character well enough that it kind of made sense. And the more and more I saw him on screen, the more and more I realized, okay, you know, someone's stature obviously is probably going to make him act like a. Yes. Don't know. Yeah. Word yeah. that we're not going to use. Cause we don't have an explicit tag. That's right. This, so. It's exactly right. I was about to say, don't, don't carry <laughs> that thought through to its conclusion, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, and that's, that's where I'm coming from too, is I, yeah, the height thing at first, I was like, Oh, that's bones. That's really weird. He's like smaller than Ender. And, and we've already made Ender older than he was supposed to be. And now that, but, but that was like two seconds. And then like his acting completely overcame it for me. I mean, I agree to a certain extent. It, it just, and I don't know, maybe, I'm sort of embarrassed by this, but uh, he was the actor. He was in Hannah Montana, and maybe that whoa, whoa, threw me off because I was whoa, part whoa, of the generation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Oh, stop! I did not stop. Stop! No, let it go, TJ. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I can't. Off. I did not watch Hannah Montana. I just knew he was in it, and I knew his character. <laughs> and I was part of the generation that grew up with Hannah Montana, and it threw me off. And I was not the only one who thought so. My party of friends who went to go see the film. I'm sorry, Hannah Montana. <laughs> Hang on, I'm picking myself up off the floor over yeah. here. So, so okay, Chad, like, I feel like I'm maybe I'm in the middle here because, <clears throat> like, Bonzo wasn't a dislike for me, but at the same time, it of all one of my likes, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, was the casting of this movie, and of all the people yeah. that I would list as 
like right, maybe not perfectly cast, but very aptly cast. I would not list him among those people. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, like I, he didn't distract from the film to me. Um, he, he didn't, I mean, he, he did a, a good job, but at the same time, it wasn't like, I, I wouldn't list him, you know, as one of the things that really made me like the casting of this film. So like I guess I feel like I'm maybe right. in the middle somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say he was the best casting decision ever. I'm just saying that his ability to do that role. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe a, a taller actor would have been better, but you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, and I would say that, uh, you know, Asa Butterfield was perfectly cast. I would argue that uh, Haley Steinfeld was a great choice for Petra. Uh, but you're right. I would not rank him as like first choice. There's nobody who could do that job better. So, right. So, so, so Haley Steinfeld, you, you, you did not like her in this film. I liked her, but I didn't like the way she played Petra. Mm-hmm. It, it just didn't seem tough enough. Like no nonsense enough. Like she was in the book. I thought. I guess I, I guess I can see that. I just I, I enjoyed her. Uh, I thought she had good chemistry with Ender. So I don't know. Well, it's, it's one of the things that I wrote down um, as I went back and forth on this because I because there was me trying to evaluate this film as a as a standalone film, not not trying to compare every single part of it to the book. Right. And then there was what I expected from the book and the Petra I expected from the book was not the one I got in the film. But if I try to remove that and realize that this film was kind of rushed and they, you know, pushed a whole bunch of things together to try to get through to the end, then I was perfectly happy. And I actually felt that I really liked how Petra was played in that, like that kind of setting. Yeah. So, I mean, no, normally, like I said, I, w- I don't, I expected something different. I feel like at least that's what it sounds like Chad's saying to me, but at the same time, yeah. having to take this movie as it was, as what it needed to do to get through battle school real fast, to end up at command school in like two days, I felt Petra was done well to make make her make sense. Yeah, and I have I have a couple of thoughts about that. Um, like I think it's really a strange thing what Gavin Hood decided to keep and what he decided not to keep from the book. Because uh, we've already established that I don't like and I don't think any of us liked the way it was rushed and the way that that uh, he compressed the timeline into 30 days. That was a weird choice, and that's vastly different from the book. And yet in many ways, I'd say in almost, in almost every other way, it felt like he was trying to stick too closely to the book and, and failing to do so because there wasn't time or or even a way to portray it properly on the screen. And I, I always like to point out um, uh, the third Harry Potter movie. Um, and that, that is like, I think that that struck such a perfect balance between the book and, and what a film needs to be. And I wish more films would take a cue from that. Although I have some complaints with the third Harry Potter. I think that the way they like, like filmmakers should go and study how they adapted that book to a film. It worked beautifully and they didn't feel the need to stick so closely to the book that it like was tedious. And that's what I feel like they did a little bit here with Ender's Game is, they threw things in because the hey the book had it we need to have it in here too uh you right. know and i think that really kind of hurt this film so that that was really my thought that thoughts inspired by what you were saying fizz hmm. uh all right shall we talk about the things that we did like though because overall i enjoyed the film and i feel like we're Same really here. railing on it mm-hmm. 
So, um, and, and I think, you know, having said what I just said, maybe it'll sound out of place, maybe not. But I did, I did think the essentials of the story were in place such that that it made sense on the on on a on a large scale, like like just overall on the vision of of Ender's world. I mean, like every every essential element was there. The core of the story was there. You you know, except for those little things like, would you have understood that if you hadn't read the book? It, those are usually more minor things, and the overall the overarching uh, plot is in place. I would say. W- would you guys agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I actually felt I likened it in my notes to um, when I saw like the first three Lord of the Rings films, mm-hmm. and I when I came out of the theater, I said, "Man." those are really good. All right. You know, I really enjoyed those films and I feel like they, they hit on everything that I needed, but it wasn't until like a year later when like the extended editions came out and they included all the things that I, I had forgotten were very important to get lots of those characters where they went. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can't ever watch you know, the, the normal length versions of these movies. And I, I'm, so part of me is wishing like, Oh, I hope there's an extended edition of Ender's Game that comes out to actually hit on all the things that they really skipped over. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe those scenes were filmed and they can include them in the in the film. Uh, that would be, you know, in the extended edition. That would be great. I, I do agree. Well, as it stood, I felt like someone was um, in a in a visual way giving me like the cliff notes of the book. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, like I could take the test and I could probably make like an 85 on it. You know, I, I, I know what I know what happens. Right. But like the things that make me love the story weren't in the, you know, weren't in the movie or weren't completely done through the movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, trying to separate the two, like I was talking about earlier, I, I still enjoyed the movie. I just unfortunately, I know how much more I could have enjoyed it. Yeah. And part of this is, you know, any book adaptation, any film adaptation of a book is always going to fall a little bit flat. I I feel like I you know I'm a, I used to be an avid reader back when I didn't have a job and try to keep up movie bite. <laughs> uh, so but I'm I so I certainly usually think the book is better than the film. You know certainly if anybody's ever heard me talk about Harry Potter, they're going to know that I uh, I prefer the books, and that's always almost almost always true. But I feel like this film did a pretty good job of actually including the core elements of the story in such a way, like you said, that you can you can take the, the a test and get it an eighty five percent. I think that's a good way to put it. Hey guys, hey, the battle room. Come on, that I mean, I, I don't know what I was envisioning in my head. I can't remember anymore because this was awesome and trumped it. <laughs> I thought I, I thought they did a really good job with the battle room. Well, I'd say that it was fun, but it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I had ice cream for the first time and it was way better than I ever thought it could taste. But I saw that there was an entire gallon of ice cream and you only gave me one scoop. What? Well, come on. So, I mean, like, so I I wanted like I wanted 45 minutes of battle room, you know, and I felt like they gave me one scoop of battle room. So... (laughs) Okay, yeah, you're going back to the dislikes. I'm trying to get into the likes here. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I loved it. That's how much I love it. Like, I, I think I think if you if you realize if if it upsets you because you did not get more of it, like you're willing to sit through another half hour of a movie <laughs> because of something. That's how good it was. So let let me make sure I, I'm you know making my my point clear. I loved the battle room. I wanted I loved it so much that I am you know 
beside myself with sadness and grief. There is wailing and gnashing of teeth for how much more I want more battle room because it was awesome. Well, I mean, I, su- <laughs> I suppose I see where you're coming from on that. Um, I, I just, I, I loved everything. Like I, I don't, it's weird. Like you form these pictures in your head of, of how things look. And, and I never really formed a really clear picture of the battle room. I just knew it was really cool. And, but, but the film, I think really fleshed it out. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that's really cool. So yeah, I really enjoyed the battle room, I, and 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 you are right. I would lo- I would have loved, as we already talked about, to see more of that battle room. That would have been great. Um, but but one thing I think that we can certainly certainly surely we can all agree on this: Ben Kingsley is awesome. Yes, <laughs> he did a pretty great job. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Ben Kingsley fan. Sometimes not always used the way that I would prefer him to be used, but I mean, as an actor, he almost always makes things better. Yeah, and I I thought that he did. He was a great Mazer Rackham. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, it was so perfect that I wish there was more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a running theme about this film. Is we needed, we just needed more of this film. Yeah, there, I mean, like there is so much. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this is the problem. Almost all of our likes are being turned into dislikes because there was not enough of it. Right. So. There, there are very few things in this film that I did not like. Right. In terms of just the elements as they existed in the film. Absolutely. Harrison Ford. I mean, just you can talk about actors performances. I think he turned in one of the best performances he's turned in in years. I mean, I thought he did great in 42, but I think he was even more connected in this film. See, for me, uh, uh, I did not like Harrison Ford in 42 and I didn't like 42 very much. Um, And so I was just like praying Please, God, give Harrison Ford a good role and please make him do awesome. And he did. I loved him in this film. We have to talk about the fact that you didn't like 42. What's wrong with you? We don't have to talk about it. Ender's game. Ender's game. (laughs) All right. Stay on target. Stay Stay on on target. (laughs) Okay. All right. We don't have to talk about it. But someday I have to give you my lecture on why why you're a horrible and evil person, Chad. Okay. Maybe we can talk about it after we're done. <laughs> Probably not because it's getting late now. You you've ruined everything with your uh, Skype connection cutting out. <laughs> no guilt. No guilt. <laughs> okay. Okay. Stay on target. Harrison Ford was great. Uh, we've already talked about Asa Butterfield being great. I mean, I think he really did a good job of of capturing Ender Wiggin. Um. So, um. I I think that uh the the not the end end of the film, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But this is, we're already, uh, we can go ahead and start getting into spoilers now. So this is your spoiler alert audience. Um, the the end of the film where he finds out what's actually going on at, at battle, at, at command school. Um, I thought that that was a particularly well done scene. And and how many actors do you guys know, young actors like Asa Butterfield at, at 15 or 16 years old, however old he is, that could hold their own in an argument against Harrison Ford? I mean, come on, seriously. <laughs> Probably very well, few. Yeah, we well, see Harrison Ford's such a great actor. He can act other people into his zone. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, I, I just thought I attributed it to Asa Butterfield. I mean, and that whole – the whole uh, – I think that's part of the, uh, of the uh, book that I'm glad made it pretty much intact in, its, in, in the theory of driving it into the film. Like because that really – calls the morality of everything into question as it should. Um, and that really, uh, I, I really enjoyed even uh, Asa Butterfield, uh, Ender Wigan pointing out how strategically stupid the whole thing was. Like, are you sure you killed every single one of those buggers? Because if you didn't, 
Now the ones that are alive, they they their opinion of us is such that now, now you've locked us into this. You, you know that's the sort of thing. Like it was a strategically stupid thing to do, right? Uh, I and I, I in the whole morality, just the question questionable morality of this entire thing. It didn't quite have quite the impact you might have hoped, or I might have hoped, because we never saw Ender going through quite as much as he did in the book. But it was still pretty impactful, I thought. Well, I want to say this uh, as a funny aside or, well, it wasn't that funny to me, but maybe anyone else will find it funny. So I I often have to be on call for my job and I was on call the weekend of this movie and I said, I don't care because it's actually, it's actually gotten to the point where I rarely get interrupted during movies and it's, you know, and it's never an emergency to the point where I can't call them back like in 30 minutes. Yeah. So I had, as during the final battle, I had eight missed calls that I refused to walk out and answer. And as soon as the final battle was over, I said, I've got to go see what's going on. Oh, you know, maybe, man. you know, my job blew up. <laughs> so I missed the entire conversation between Ender and Colonel Graff there at the end. When I came back in the theater, he was walking into the cave. Oh, oh man. So, so I'm very upset that I missed this. You, I believe you've missed the best part of the film. Would you say yeah. that's correct, Chad? Uh, yeah, probably emotionally speaking. Yes. It's the best part. I mean, that, that was the emotional like climax of the film. I, I would yes. say is that's, that's where everything came to a head and, and Ender calls into question everything that's happened up to this point. He has this, you know, very serious argument with Colonel Graff, um, you know, in, yeah, I, that that's man. How can you miss that? <laughs> yeah, that's the well, scene that like draws the whole book into itself. I mean, that's what the book is about, right there. Yes, agreed. So the if you take a look at the bigger picture, because this is what Ender would do, right? I, I want to say that the average person or the average cadet would have stayed and neglected his job. But since I'm tactically thinking the bigger picture, if I don't answer this and I get fired, I never have money to see any other movies ever again. <sighs> okay, okay. Your, your point is taken, and, and I'll allow it. I'll allow it. for this, Just this once, I'll allow it. But no, I, I was very upset that I missed that. Um, and I mean, I had it described to me, and I had read the book, so I knew I knew that conversation was coming, and I knew the, the moral implications of that. So it's not like I, I went out on a complete – Oh my gosh, I missed something. Sure, sure. You know, so I I would have loved to have seen it. And I'm even contemplating maybe when it comes to the dollar theater, the $2 theater, I, I might go and see the movie again um, sometime, you know, maybe I, in January when maybe the the movies aren't quite the quality we're getting now because we passed that Oscar curve. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I might go I might go check it out when I have a free weekend just so I can see that. I so. would recommend it because that's that's the best bit of acting in the film and it's certainly the most impactful and emotional and 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 really as as Chad says really kind of that's what the movie is all about. That's what we've been driving towards. So uh yeah and I I really I, I don't know do you have anything else to say about that other than wow brilliant great acting Chad? <laughs> no, it was just pretty great. I mean that it was worth the film for that scene. That's right. I agree with that. All right, so we're into spoiler territory. Let's go ahead and talk about the very end of the film. And this is quite different from the way it unfolded in the book. And the the essence of it is unchanged, but the timeline, the time frame, how it happened, where it happened, why it happened, everything about it, everything else about it is all changed. It comes to the same conclusion, but you know, I think 
Okay, what is with the uh, Bugger Queen or the the Formix Queen uh, being on the same planet as they're on for the command school? Like, you mean you tell me they wouldn't have found her, they wouldn't have known she was there, and they wouldn't have detected her? What? What? You know, I think that this scene was the perfect explanation, or it's the perfect uh, justification of Orson Scott Card's original comments that this film was, uh, or this book was unfilmable, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that entire scene in the book takes place in Ender's head. He comes to these conclusions, and so, I mean... While it was strange in the context of the film, the whole purpose that the queen was still there is so that uh, he had somebody to interact with for the audience's sake. Yeah, even so, it was. It felt like like I wondered, and it's so hard to know since I have read the book. How how did the general audience who hasn't read the book how would they respond to that scene? Did they really understand what was going on? I don't know. Well, I feel sure. like as much as they probably understood everything else that was going on. I, I mean, th- this to me was the epitome of what we saw in the rest of the movie going from point to point to point to try to hit all the main things in the movie, but not necessarily doing it in a pacing that actually made sense when you're telling a story. Yeah. And can we talk about the, uh, weird ant creature wiping the tears from Ender's face with her foot? (laughs) (laughs) It was just so weird. It was just too weird. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I just like the way it happened. Uh, surprise, surprise. I like the way it happened in the book better, where time has passed, and and there's a lot of distance between Ender and the event, and, and you know, and the whole thing. Like, the, like this is just more of the, of the rushed feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I would have liked for the film to be a little longer, where they could show some time passing. They could show Ender, you know, becoming a hero on Earth or whatever, and then later he finds the egg. I mean, I think that, that worked much better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, in a in a perfect world or in a perfect movie, I guess <laughs> that that's obviously what we would have wanted to happen. Once I like the the la- the whole scene with the queen didn't really bother me because, like I said, I, I had already watched the rest of the movie skip ahead and skip ahead and compress timelines. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, it just I was I was kind of anesthetized to the fact that that's not the way it happened in the book. But they're still trying to get the point that, you know, Ender's not down with what happened and he's trying to make amends or, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right. As soon as the like the the camera cut to uh, him looking out the window and it cuts to the scene and immediately I thought, holy cow, that looks like it did in the video game. And holy cow, they're going to do the end of the book right here, right now in the stupid way. I, I, you're right. I was already <laughs> expecting it because that I, they had already established that this was the style they were doing the film in, which is to rush it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and how did nobody know? Like, like this is why this scene makes no sense. Nobody stopped Ender from going out there. Nobody knew he was going out there. I mean, come on. Seriously. This is a military <laughs> complex. Yeah. It was that, that dumb. Was, it, it was, I mean, it was, once again, I wanted to gripe with it, but I was like, we've already gone this far down the rabbit hole. Is this really what I'm going to gripe about? Yeah. So, All right. but I do, I do like no one looked outside and saw him finding this thing. No, no one said, Hey, maybe this guy's really traumatically disturbed. Maybe we should keep somebody with him. <laughs> right. You well, know, I, like, I mean, you know, what's, what's her name was with him. Uh, Petra was with him, but you know, she just sort of let him go or whatever. Yeah. Or like Petra didn't follow him. Bean didn't follow him. I mean, like, well, I, of all the things that I could gripe about, you know, it wouldn't even make my dislikes because, like I said, I think yeah. the movie told a story in such a way that this wasn't outrageous. It, it's outrageous if we compare it directly to the book, but it's not outrageous to me if we're going to get 
in in the context of the movie. Okay. It's not outrageous. I mean, but you know, point taken. So obviously still not the way that I would have wished it was done. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, why don't we, why don't we start bringing this thing in for landing and let's talk about uh, kind of how we feel ultimately about the film, our, our star ratings and, and, you know, just ending thoughts. And Chad, why don't you wrap this up for us on your end? Okay. When I walked out of the theater, I said, I loved it. And, uh, when I finished writing out my notes after the film in my film journal, I gave it four and a half stars. And after mulling it over a few days, uh, well, I guess about a week now, um, I lowered that by half a star because I did really enjoy this film. But as we've talked about tonight, we did have disappointments. I did have disappointments. And it, while it wasn't as good as it could have been, I still really liked it. So four stars for me. Well, and let's be honest. My review probably kind of ruined it for you, too. And that's that's really when you brought it down a half a star. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was all you, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's always about me. All right, Fizz, your turn. Well, I, I'll bring it home with this one thought that one of the things I did like about the film most was that the effects and everything else was very visually engaging. It was definitely one of those movies that I love to see in theaters because I feel like if I try, even though I enjoy my setup at my house to watch movies, my home theater, it's, it's still worth paying the money for. Absolutely. Um, and I say that not having seen your theater, but you well, know, tr- trust me, it's perfectly adequate. <laughs> um, so, so the one, one thing that uh, really struck me as uh, visually was the fact that as a resident of Ender's home in Greensboro, North Carolina, um, I can tell you that that, that lake house where he was, where, where he had that conversation with Valentine, uh-huh. that's supposed to be Lake Brant. And if anyone ever visits Greensboro and comes to Lake Brant, they're going to be truly disappointed <laughs> that Lake Brant looks nothing like it did in the movie. If it did, then I would be up there all the time because that place was beautiful. So great <laughs> visual effects. That's the way things always work, though. Um, so, okay. So with that said, it, it was definitely a movie that I would recommend people go to see. It was definitely it filled my requirements for worth money to see on the big screen, you know, encompassed with the experience. But at the same time, when I compare it to some of the movies that I've seen this year, even though it's been a fairly down year in movies, it's still not quite four star territory for me. So I would say that I would give this movie three and a half stars. I would recommend it to people, but because of the pacing issues, because the fact that it could have been two hours and I would have loved it even more which is rare. Like you're talking about, you know, you, you hardly ever argue for a movie to be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if they would have explored that stuff, it could have made a four star. It could have been one of the better films, the top five films that I've seen so far this year. But as it stands three and a half better, you know, a little bit better than, or a lot better than average, but not quite the upper echelon of what I've seen come out this year. Yeah, and I'm uh, – so you're giving it a three and a half out of five, right? Yeah, three and a half out of five. Yeah, and I'm, I'm right there with you. That's that's my star rating as well, uh, which I gave it in my review, and I'm giving it here three and a half out of five. And, and you know, ultimately, like I feel like the film hinted at, and it kind of pointed in the direction of the big questions the book asks, but it never quite got there. And that said, I did enjoy it, you're, and you're right. We really very didn't even have time to touch on this much 
Uh, but the visual effects in this film really are simply stunning. Uh, it's just amazing agree. what they could what they could do. I mean, even I, I was hearing somebody say the other day uh, they don't think that they could have made this film just a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and certainly like like the zero G environments and stuff, pretty amazing. And and overall, I really enjoyed this film. They got the big things right, and uh, so so and, and I do think, as you say, the film is worth seeing in the theater. I always enjoy the theater experience, though. I'm I'm a little bit different from you in that I no home theater is going to be adequate for me for most good films. I want to see it in the theater, and this is one that's worth seeing in the theater. Anything three and a half or more is worth seeing in the theater to me. Mm-hmm. And so this is a three and a half star film, and I say go see it in the theater. So that's that's my opinion. Well, with that, I think we need to bring this podcast in for a landing because, Fizz, I know that you're not enjoying the show as much as me, but I haven't seen this week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, so I'm going to go watch that. Oh, no, you should. It's it's about the only uh, episode that I think has really lived up to the billing of the show. Cool. I mean, I've really enjoyed all the episodes, and they just keep – I think each one has been better and better, so I'm going to go watch that. Chad, I'm assuming you haven't watched it yet? No. Mm. I'm real sad. <laughs> I'm so sad. You must – well, see, this is the thing. How are you going to get caught up before Thor, which we're going to be talking about next week, and there's going to be a Thor tie-in after that? I mean, come on. you got to get caught up. Well, I mean, I've already seen Thor. and uh, <laughs> but, but but I'm saying there's going to be a Thor tie-in for after the the events of Thor. So oh, yeah. It's still up. a few weeks away, though, so hopefully – yeah. Two weeks. Chad just yes. threw them a gauntlet and said, TJ, how are you going to catch up? When are you going to see Thor? <laughs> Well, we will be talking about Thor The Dark World next week. I'm very much looking forward to that. And we're going to have four people on this podcast. We've only done that one other time as far as I can remember. Now, admittedly, I have a terrible memory. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the only other time we did that was for The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. And so it's going to be me and Chad and uh, Fizz and Joe. Joe's going to come back and talk about Thor with it, uh, with us as well. In fact, he, he, he instant messaged me. He eyed me and he said, uh, I would really like to talk with uh, t- talk about Thor with you guys. I said, "Hey, that'd be great. We'd love to have you back." So I never got uh, to talk to Joe. So oh, cool. Well, that'll that'll be fun. So we'll have four of us on here, and it'll probably I'm guessing it's going to be a little longer episode because there will be four of us. We'll have a lot of opinions to get out, and it's exciting times. So next week, Thor: The Dark World. All right, now uh, Fizz, you do some pretty good work over on your website and stuff. So tell, tell folks, uh, you know, plug it up a little bit, tell folks how you can, uh, how people can get in touch with you and keep up with your work. Well, thanks TJ. Um, I guess if anyone out there would like to check out some of my stuff, then go to real world theology. That's R E E L worldtheology.com. Uh, check out the blog. We have some posts. I have some guest posters who are just breaking down kind of like the theological, theological implications of narrative and story in, you know, culturally relevant mediums. So if that interests you at all, check that out. We have a podcast. Uh, you can get it at iTunes, subscribe to the real world theology podcast, follow the show on Twitter at real world Theo. Uh, we just posted episode 11. We'll be recording episode 12 on Ender's game next week. Cool. So if you've enjoyed this and want to, you know, dig a little deeper into that, some of that, those moral things that TJ was kind of hinting at there at the end, then we'll be doing that. Uh, yeah. And if you want to follow me personally, uh, I guess you can hit me up on Twitter at physification. There you go. Yeah. And you guys will, you'll, you'll dive a lot deeper into the moral stuff, which I enjoy a good conversation about that too. Sometimes, you know, it's just not really what we do here on this podcast, but, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. And I'll definitely be looking forward to listening to that. I listen to every episode. I, I think I, I skipped one though, cause I hadn't seen the film and I still haven't, I don't remember which one it was, but for the most part, I listened to all those. So definitely worth checking out. Chad, where can people keep up with you? I know you do some writing and you know, you, you've got Twitter and all that stuff. How can people keep up with you? 
Yes, my personal review site is chadlikesmovies.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Longest Twitter handle ever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, physification is longer. But it's easier to spell. I keep winning. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can follow me. Hashtag winning. Yes, I'm trying to bring this thing in for a landing fizz. Sorry. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. Uh, keep up with the work that I do. I post every single day, painstakingly sometimes, on moviebyte.com. Uh, we would love it too if you would uh, take the time, if you enjoyed this episode, and of course, why wouldn't you, to go to iTunes, just search for MovieBite, will be the first result that comes up. And give us a five-star rating there, a movie bite that'll help people find the podcast, and, and leave a few nice words for us. That'd be great. You can also join in the conversation in the comments at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 67. Uh, you'll also find the show notes for this episode there. All the li- Any relevant links of things that we've talked about will be in those show notes. Uh, and so find that there and engage with us in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Well, that's all we've got for this week. It was a lot of fun, and next week I think is going to be even more fun, so be sure to tune in for that. We will talk to you next week. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.